One of the ways that I do things is I sort of pray for a while and then take a nap. And when I wake up from my nap, God has always told me what he wants to talk about. So where I am is actually in Hebrews 12. And what that says is we're undergoing a great shaking right now. And the thing about the great shaking in Hebrews 12 is the false is being shaken so that things that cannot be shaken will remain. The whole world right now is being shaken. And I will suggest to you that one of the things that's being shaken is what I would call the false church. Let me give you an example. For those of you who are Catholics, you will know this instantly. If you haven't been at Catholic, I'll explain to you. There's a place called Lourdes in France. And that's why every third Catholic girl that you ever meet is named Bernadette. She's a saint. Catholics name their children after saints, which is fine. What happened was this young girl discovered a stream of water. And the properties of that stream of water was that anybody who got dipped in that stream of water was healed. And it became sort of the major shrine in Catholicism. People travel from all over the world to Lourdes to be healed. And they go into the pools and so forth. Let me read to you, and this is from the Catholic Herald in UK. As the number of people testing positive for the coronavirus in Europe continues to grow, the shrine of Our Lady of Lourdes announced that the pilgrims are still welcome, but the pools where the sick bathe in hope for healing will be closed. Our first concern will always be the safety and health of the pilgrims and the shrine's working community, said a note posted February 28th on the shrine's website. As a precaution, the pools have been closed until further notice. Now, what that tells me is the people running that place don't believe their own propaganda. And I'm not saying anything for or against the pool at Lourdes. I believe in miracles, I believe in healings, all that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about whether people actually get healed. What I'm talking about is the bureaucracy that runs the place. And the bureaucracy that runs the place doesn't believe in their own doctrine. Give you another example. The Episcopal presiding Bishop of Albany, New York, put out a eight-page letter to the entire diocese. You know, I don't know how big the diocese of uh, Albany is, but it's big. And he said, I have instructed my priest that you will not perform same-sex marriages. The Bible clearly says what marriage is, and that's what we're going to adhere to. The presiding bishop of the United States has sent a letter to the Albany priests, which are the ones who work for the bishop in Albany, saying, disregard, continue to do same-sex marriages, and we are going to begin disciplinary proceedings against your bishop. Everybody understand what I just said? So what I'm suggesting to you is worldwide, the church has abandoned its flock. The church has become self-dealing. In other words, the church is interested in the church as opposed to interested in the flock. One of the things about God, and I've said this many, 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 many times before, and it's worth saying, so I'll say it again, God is not who the church 
thinks he is. God is who he says he is. And if the church thinks that he's something besides what he says he is, God is under no obligation whatsoever to pay any attention to what the church thinks. He's given us his word. His word is true. He is faithful to his word. He has said all of those things in his word. You can trust that. You can take that to the bank. What, what I would call the bureaucratic church has done is they have invented gods in their own image. And I'm suggesting to you that one of the things that is causing this great shaking that is going on right now is God shaking his church so that the things that are true will remain and the things that are not true will be shaken out. He's promised he'll never leave us or forsake us. Take that to the bank, too. But the other thing he does is when Israel or his people get out of line, he removes worship from them. So one of the things that he does, and I'll use Israel as an example, in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel has a vision, and he sees the glory of God lifting out of the temple, mounting up on the Merkava, the chariot, you know, with the living beings, and flying off. In other words, God has not left his people. He's been, in a sense, driven away because his people are not doing what's right. Let me talk about idol worship for a second. One of the things that's been happening in the last oh, 150 years, maybe, is science has replaced God as the thing that people believe in. And it's become an idol. Sort of the poster child for it was Darwin because Darwin came up with his origin of the species, evolution, and that directly contradicts what's said in Scripture, or at least it seems to. So the question then becomes, who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe God or are you going to believe science? And unfortunately, lots of people, to include people in the church, have decided that they'll believe science. And I will suggest to you that when you put anything between you and God, you've created an idol. Idealized science is dead. Now, what do I mean by that? Whenever you question science, people will say, well, what we do is we get a hypothesis, we design an experiment, we run the experiment, we see if it works, we revise our hypothesis, and that's how we arrive at truth. Right? Right. Wrong. That's not what they do. Science is now run by bureaucrats, corporations, and government. And it is, in fact, the case that if you are studying something that is not approved or you find out things that are not approved, you will lose your job. I used to be in that racket. I got a Ph.D. from the University of Colorado here in Boulder. And my Ph.D. was in computer modeling of river systems. And what I will tell you is that a com computer model crunches garbage really fast. So you can get lots and lots of data, lots and lots of answers really, really fast with a computer model. The problem is every computer model is less precise than the system that it is modeling. This is by definition. In other words, the ultimate model is the Earth itself. So if you're going to pack the Earth into a computer, you necessarily have to ignore a whole bunch of stuff. And what happens as a modeler is you hope that the stuff that you're ignoring doesn't, in fact, change your results. I got news for you. 
It does. And what we're dealing with with this virus right now is the result of models. Epidemiological models, uh, bacteriological, biological models, all those kinds of things. And again, don't get me wrong, models for some things are useful, but they're not gospel. One of the things that's happened just in the last two days is the thing that sort of got all this kicked off was a model that was run in Great Britain. Very prestigious, very famous, and the prediction was, I believe, two and a half million deaths in the United States and half a million deaths in Great Britain. I believe that was the prediction. And everybody is going around saying, we're all going to die. I got news for you. We are all going to die, but not necessarily from COVID-19. Well, just last night, he came out with a revision on his numbers. Never mind. It's not going to be as bad as my model originally said it was going to be. So what I'm saying is, is this panic that is being generated is being generated by computer models, if you will, epidemiologists, and so forth. So since science has become an idol, these have become the high priests of that idolatry. And what God is saying is, um, I'm God, you're not, and this seems like a really good time to shake things. And so things are being heavily shaken. And the thing that is being exposed right now by all of this shaking is who are the people who are willing to get together, praise God, worship Him, lift up His name, and who are the people, and I'm not talking about people who staying at home over the internet and so forth. I'm talking about the church organization. As I said when we started, we don't own this building. So we are being very careful to be very respectful of the people who do. That's being a good steward. But i got to tell you, there's a church in Colorado Springs that says, to heck with it, we're meeting. And that's where my heart is. That's where my heart is. We're not going to do that. As I say, we're going to be respectful of the people who own the building. But I would love to see America's churches full to overflowing with people praising God in the face of this plague. That's where my heart is. And I cannot, sorry, I'm getting emotional. I cannot tell you how grateful I am that you folks are here today. I mean, it just lifts my spirits to have you folks here. I cannot tell you how wonderful that is to me. So, one of the things that happens biblically when God is shaking things is worship gets taken away. And that's what's happening in the United States right now. Worship is being taken away. And I'm going to read Hebrews 11.6 to you. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. In other words, first thing you've got to believe is He is. And I'll tell you, I'm right there. But the second thing that you've got to believe is that He cares about you. As Tom was saying earlier, He sent His Son. He cares about you. He loves you. That doesn't mean He's going to solve all your problems, and it doesn't mean that He's going to make life all peaches and cream for you because it wouldn't be good for you if he did. But understand that he loves you, he wants the best for you, 
from his point of view, not necessarily from your point of view, but he does. Now, what's expected of us during this time? And that's where I want to spend a minute. And this is perhaps tinfoil hat territory. And so all of you put your tinfoil hats on if you got one. Wear them if you got them. The thing that tells me that this is not the dire thing that is being projected in the media is the way people are running around looting and trying to take advantage of the situation. In other words, the fact that our Congress, God bless them, was able to come together in two days and jam a $2 trillion bill through without a vote tells me that this is not the dire thing that we are being told it is. That's my tinfoil hat theory. You don't have to buy it. That's just what I think. Remember 911? For about 20 minutes, the entire country came together as one. Democrats, Republicans, liberals, conservatives, they all came together and they rose up and we were unified. It it, was longer than 20 minutes, but not much. It lasted a couple of weeks. That has not happened. Zero zip nada. And that tells me that this is not as serious as it is being sold to be. Now, I'm not saying that people aren't getting sick. I'm not saying that people aren't dying. They very much are. And those people deserve our prayers. Anoint them with oil. Go pray for them. Do all of those kinds of things. I'm not saying this is nothing. I'm simply saying that it is being blown out of proportion as an opportunity. You've all heard the Rahm Emanuel, who used to be the mayor of Chicago, never let a crisis go to waste. And what we've been seeing is people not letting a crisis go to waste. But now I'm going to tell you a secret that goes both ways. What you've been seeing is people running in there looting and trying to grab as much as they can during this crisis. But what that does is it gives you an opportunity because people are scared, people are uncertain, people don't know which way to turn, and to have you who understands the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and his son Yeshua, that you have the hope within you, that you are the bearers of healing, that you are the bearers of peace, that you are able to talk to people in their fear and draw them into the kingdom of God. So when I say never let a crisis go to waste, I'm dead serious. Don't let this crisis go to waste. Like I say, it cuts both ways. And what we want to do is make sure that it cuts our way, not just the enemy's way, whatever the enemy happens to be. And the last thing that the people of God should be doing is cowering in fear because what that says to your neighbor is they don't believe this any more than I do. That goes back to our example of Lords. That's not the testimony you want to give. Again, be respectful. Don't walk up and hug people. You'll freak them out. Maintain your, you know, do all that stuff. That's okay. That's okay. You don't want to freak people out. But you also don't want to hide in your basement and be afraid when this is an opportunity, when people are upset and settled, for you to be a bearer of the Word of God. That's your job. Tell people. We got people here live worshiping God. We will continue to have people here 
live worshiping God. Because we don't own the building, we'll be respectful of all that, but understand that we're doing what God calls us to do, which is lift up his name in praise and worship and spread that abroad as far as we can. And we'll use the internet and every other tool that we have to help us do that. But that's our job as a church.